try to get like 10 people. If you get 10 people paying you, you make it $300, Airbnb takes their cut. You pay for the coffees. You can make a couple hundred dollars. I'm like, guy, it's an hour and a half of drinking coffee. Welcome to the Fi Show, where you get a behind-the-scenes look into financial independence. Here's your host, Cody and Justin. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Financial Independence Show, where today we have on Martin Dasko, who's going to teach you how you can make money with Airbnb experiences. But before we do that, let me check in with my co-host, Justin. What is going on, man? Hey, Cody, trying to get that uh, concert quota back up to where it belongs. You know, I'm always trying to go to shows and it's honestly the perfect time of the year to be doing things like that in Texas because now it's, you know, a high of maybe it touches 90 in the middle of the day and then it cools down to like 70 at night. So it's kind of perfect for that kind of stuff. So Wednesday, we hit up a really cool concert of a guy named Zach Bryan, who's kind of blowing up, not to be confused with Zach Brown, but he, he's been blowing up. So I got to see him at probably one of the smallest venues I'll ever get to see him at because they do these cool kind of nighttime shows during the week of ACL, which is Austin City Limits. And speaking of ACL, we also got to go do that this weekend, which is kind of a crazy mashup of different artists. And so they have it all three days, but we, we just went one day. Also, we've recently joined a gym that's got workout classes every day. We've been really doing that and kind of building a community, which has been cool since we, we work from home. So when you wake up at home, you walk to your desk and then you go to sleep at home. Like It's good to have something to get you out of the house and get you meeting some community. So top of in those classes, we also went and hung out with the owner for their birthday and then Sunday was cool because I got to catch up with a, a friend that I grew up with. We were really close, like best friends. And then, you know, just life happens. You're living in different states and we haven't hung out in a long time. And uh, he happens to be down in Texas for a job. So we spent all day Sunday showing him the local area, showing him my house, some of the local spots that we like to go to, getting some brisket. So that was really cool to catch up. How about you, Cody? So I had an absolute whirlwind of a week. Buckle up. It's kind of two funny stories here. So I was in Savannah, Georgia for most of the week. I flew in last Wednesday and got back on Monday. I was supposed to get back on Tuesday, but we'll get to that part of the story. So first, we get to Savannah. We check into this Airbnb. It is in one of the sketchiest neighborhoods I've ever seen an Airbnb located in. Like, We check in, put our stuff there. We walk out. There's just like this group of guys. Like, Not one of them looked friendly. They all had like face and neck tats. And I'm not one to usually judge a book by its cover, but they're like staring us down. We're like, okay, this just doesn't feel right. But we're like, whatever, we'll just like tough it out. And a few hours later, we're like, these guys aren't going to be just like hanging out in kind of like the parking lot, are they, all day? Yep, they were. So, (laughs) and later on, a few hours later, there's like double the amount. Now there's like 10 guys hanging out. Again, all face tats, neck tats. Don't just, don't look like the nicest of people. So I'm like, okay, we're not staying here. So we ended up actually getting our Airbnb refunded. I messaged the host. I'm like, hey, like I'm staying here with my family, my mom and brother and fiance, just we don't even want to come back here after like 8 p.m. So I ended up getting refunded, got a hotel in downtown Savannah. And the whole week ended up being awesome. But so that was just like one fun part of the excursion. And if you haven't been to Savannah, definitely check it out. It is an amazing city. It's actually the only city that's considered an urban forest because there's just so many plants and trees. And it's just like such a green city, super walkable, tons of awesome bars and restaurants. And it's right on the Savannah River. It's just it's a really cool place if you haven't been there. And the reason why I had to fly home a day early, so a couple weeks back, speaking of concerts, I had a Post Malone concert ticket. And these are expensive tickets. Like Post Malone sells out stadiums. It's like $200 ticket. And he had cracked his ribs like a week before our show, but he was still performing. He was he did like his Tuesday show. He did his Thursday show. He did his Friday show. We had a Saturday ticket. 
And that was the one he postponed. He even performed the next day. So I'm like, okay, great. Like, when is he going to finally reschedule this tour date? And what do you know? He reschedules it for while I'm supposed to be in Savannah. So I ended up, I'm like, you know what? I was really looking forward to this concert. Paid a lot for this ticket. Flew back a night early. Instead of coming home on Tuesday, I came home on Monday. I got picked up directly from the airport. Went straight to TD Garden for the Post Malone concert. And it was well worth it. I was really glad that I cut the trip a day short. But yeah, man, it was it was a ton of fun. It was an absolute whirlwind. But I think we both know, Justin, the, the best stories come from kind of the things that you don't expect. So even though like it wasn't an ideal experience with the Airbnb or the concert, it makes it more memorable because now it's like something I can look back and laugh at, even though in the moment, it's not the funnest. Absolutely. Got to find those silver linings. <laughs> That's enough about us. Let's talk about our guest today, Martin Dasko. So both of us have known Martin for several years now. I'm actually surprised this is the first time we're having him on the podcast. And what's fun about this is Justin and I actually rented a booth at FinCon, the personal finance conference for financial content creators. And so we got to interview Martin live at FinCon. So you'll hear a little bit of background noise. It's We cleaned up the audio, though. It sounds pretty good. And we get to kind of pick his brain. He's someone who has made tens or even hundreds of thousands of dollars doing Airbnb experiences. You'll get to hear... We literally are doing like live brainstorming. He's looking on the map on Airbnb experiences like we're looking in Orlando and there's just like the most outlandish, outrageous things you could possibly imagine that people are doing and charging 30, 40, 50, $100. It's crazy. And Martin has been doing this for years now. And you'll get to hear all about how Martin has kind of carved out this niche for himself, a super fun Airbnb experience side hustle, and he's made it super profitable. Yeah, I think everyone's really going to like this episode for two parts. One, because we really do that deep dive into Airbnb experiences, which is a, you know, a really cool prospect. And then the other is because Martin's just a fun guy. Like He really is all about like not just trying to save money and, and build net worth and figure out different ways to make money, but also really enjoying the ride. So he's definitely a great person to follow along with. But for Airbnb experiences, the cool thing to me that sticks out is I know I'm guilty of not taking on ventures because I'm worried about the startup cost. And Airbnb experience is like the perfect thing if you just want to try something, but you're very risk averse because you literally don't need anything. You could just take people to places you would want to go yourself and they pay you because you're local and you can show them around and you know the best places. They're not just reading some top 10 list off a random blog. So if you enjoyed Martin's story and want to follow along with him, or maybe you know somebody who's really interested in starting up one of these Airbnb experiences, you can find all that information and share the episode at thefyshow.com slash Martin. That's thefyshow.com slash M-A-R-T-I-N. Take it away, Martin. I grew up in an immigrant family, and that was like the ultimate like life hack or like the ultimate like a competitive advantage for me. So my parents came from Poland, so like we had to like learn English together and like figure things out on our own. And we just had to hustle. Like it wasn't like good or bad. It was just our way of life. So I started delivering newspapers when I was eight years old. I started selling chocolates door to door. We always just had multiple side hustles as a family. And then, you know, people have these emotional stories about debt and stuff. I just was just greedy. I just wanted to do more stuff. So I just hustled. And, and that brought me to personal finance blogging. And it brought us here to this conference in Orlando. And so when you're growing up, did you think, I'm definitely going to be an entrepreneur because you've been doing stuff like the newspapers and the chocolates. Or did you ever have a moment where you're thinking about having like a traditional career path? For some reason, like a lot of people look up to like athletes and stuff. I always looked up to like businessmen and business people. But like in the 90s, entrepreneurship wasn't as cool as it is now. I'm in my mid-30s now. So now it's like cool to be like Gary Vee or like Lewis Howes. Like, like if you go on social media, everyone's talking about like being an entrepreneur. It's like the job to do. It wasn't as cool. And I just kind of wanted to be a businessman. I didn't know what that looked like. I couldn't ask any of my family. It was all like, you know, 
not in a bad way, but there was a lot, a lot, a lot of immigrants and like nobody really had that entrepreneurship, like a true entrepreneurship, like, like a business. We all like, just had different side hustles. So I went to college. I didn't know what to take, right? Like, like some people know exactly what to study. I just took business because I just, I just <laughs> thought I want to be a businessman. A businessman studies business. And then I unfortunately learned the last place to go to start a business is to study business in college. <laughs> so I got my degree and I tried working in business and I realized like as I was in college, I'm like, this is uh, like, you're not going to learn anything like that practical here. So I started blogging as a student and then I started learning more just from like reading books and writing articles and meeting other entrepreneurs, coming to events like this. And I just kind of stayed on as an entrepreneur. I just can't imagine switching this, even though it's not always the best, but it's just best for me. And was that studentomics that you started in college? Yeah, at the time, it was like, enomics was cool. It was like, enomics phrase yeah. was kind of cool. So I thought like, if it was like, studentomics, it kind of played on studentomics. <laughs> like, I thought it was so clever in 2008. So like, I went with it. Like, now I'm kind of like, feels weird saying it. I'm in my mid-30s, but I still like it. So I, I've kept with this since, since what, 14 years now. But was it profitable, like, right off the bat? Like, what kept you going? I mean, in blogging years, 2008, you're like a dinosaur. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, it feels weird telling people that. <laughs> Yeah, so what kept me going was I found out that other people were doing this. It's like I started looking up, like I said, I was in business school, I was studying business, and I realized like this is the worst path to actually be starting a business because like I wasn't learning anything practical. Like they tried their best. Like I remember near the end, we learned about eBay, like just that fact that eBay exists, like that doesn't help, right? <laughs> you know, the four P's of marketing. So then I started reading about how to start a business, and I got cut up in the usual like get rich quick schemes, you know? So like <laughs> when you search this stuff into Google, you find out all these schemes, and I got caught up into that. Then I finally started blogging, and then I realized there's other people doing it, so I started reaching out to them. And these, like, people like uh, PT Money and people that are here, like Jim Wang, they're very helpful. They helped me out. They, they told me that you can actually like, sell links and stuff. So long story short, I ended up selling like, my first like, text link. Like, don't do this now. Now it's like banned by Google. Google hates like, links and any of that stuff. But I sold my first link for like $20, and I was like, wow, this is like, awesome. Like, I, like, someone just paid me 20 bucks to copy and paste something <laughs> and then I just started selling links and it went from there and then it kind of just created my own job or my own career path in a sense. And at what point did it feel like you know what this studentomics could be the thing like it could actually support? Yeah it was all kind of like a fluke because then I started joining different forums and talking to other bloggers you know making money and stuff and I remember someone just messaged me and they're like do you want to write for me? I'm like, oh, like, I don't want to write for somebody else. Like, I, I didn't know he was going to offer me money, right? So, <laughs> like, I didn't think this was like an actual business venture or proposal. Then the guy offered me a job. He's like, no, I want you to write for me and help me manage my websites. I'm like, why? He's like, well, because I make a lot of money, right? So, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I guess people can make a lot of money. So the guy hired me on and I, like, I just kind of created a job. I wrote articles. I managed like, the links for him. And they just kind of went from there. And then other people started hiring me to write for them. And I eventually figured out how to make money on my own blogs. I started like, you know, doing the, like, the AdSense back then. This is before social media. So like, like now you could just start and grow like an Instagram and become famous like in a few months, possibly. possibly, <laughs> yeah. possibly. So this is like in the blogging day. So yeah, I, I just helped this guy manage his blog and it went on from there to freelance writing. And then over the years, I've tried different things. We can get into that later, but I've just kind of kept on this path. And like, you know, once you start making money, you start investing it, you get into real estate. And the beauty about being a personal finance writer is that Everything you do, you write about it. So it's like, it never stops, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, like as Cody knows, if you manage like an Airbnb, you make money from that, but then you write about it and you make money from that. And then you write a course and you just keep on making money from these things and just kind of, you got to build momentum and it keeps on going. So to talk about some of those, I mean, maybe wins and failures, but it sounds like you've tried just like so many things over the past decade or so. 
if you want, just kind of walk through some of those, whether you want to talk about the wins, highlight the failures, like just give people what, what it was like. Cause I feel like I see you in so many different disciplines, whether it's side hustling or one meal a day or working out, like you're all over the place, dude. So like, what have you tried and what yeah. worked? <laughs> so it seems like I'm all over the place, but like in my daily life, it feels like I'm doing nothing. So. <laughs> Cause it's just like, I've just taken on different challenges over the years and I'd rather talk about the failures first. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> I think it's important to highlight failures. So a lot of people, when they talk about blogging or making money online, they make it seem like it's just easy, right? Like anyone can do it. It's passive income, but it's not. It's actually a struggle. And the one biggest failure has to be probably like uh, is Google. You guys blog, right? Yeah. yeah. So you guys know how annoying Google can be, right? <laughs> Changing things all the time, yeah. So one of the biggest failures was I drove for Uber. That was the side hustle. And then I, like the money was okay, but then I wrote about it. And I was making a lot of money from affiliates. I was like, you know, I had a lot of money coming in and it was just like people were signing up to my links and stuff and it was going well. And I just kind of got complacent. I just thought it was going to last forever, right? All this easy money and stuff. And then Google just hit me one day out of nowhere. And this is the one thing that like, I always tell people to diversify or at least try to diversify your income streams. Because I was so reliant on Google. And the one day they just dig me and, and Google doesn't tell you, right? Like, it's not like a job where your boss will be like, like listen, man, you're, like, you're not good. This is why, like. You got to fix your performance. Google just hits you. One day you wake up and your traffic goes from like 10,000 to like 10 or like, you know, <laughs> a thousand, right? So I got hit by Google. And then I'm like, wow, what do I do now? And then like, I had to like pivot and figure out what to do because it, it can be scary. You can go from making like three, four grand a month in passive income. You're rolling, like you're living a good life to like nothing. And that's one thing I, I warn all aspiring entrepreneurs that it's not always going to be good times There are plenty of lean times and you have to prepare for that as best as you can. What kind of advice would you give content creators to avoid something like that where they have a little bit more ownership over the situation and they're not just reliant on Google changing an algorithm? Yeah, I think now it's so easy. Like you can be everywhere. And I don't suggest being everywhere because most people end up getting, diluting themselves. I would pick two platforms to be on. So if you're going to be a writer, so you obviously, if you have a blog, you're going to be on Google. I would suggest trying to dominate another platform too, whether it be Instagram or YouTube or TikTok. You have to know yourself, right? Because like, I know people that try to do like TikTok or Instagram, they try to be funny. Like they're just not funny, right? <laughs> and there's nothing worse than someone trying to be funny, right? That's like the most unfunniest thing is trying to be funny. So I think you should know yourself and find a platform you think you can dominate. The obvious advice is to try to get like emails and try to find a way to always keep in touch with your audience and always have them going from one source to the next. Like if someone reads your blog, try to get them to follow your YouTube so they subscribe there. Or they meet you on YouTube, try to get them to read your blog. Just you're never relying on one source. Instagram is changing all the time. Now, like, they only want reels. They're fun to make, but it's kind of annoying. Sometimes you want to, like, post a photo, right? <laughs> exactly. Like, you post this awesome photo. You're so proud of it. You put all this effort into this caption. Like, four people see it. <laughs> Out of, like, 12,000, you know? <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so we talked about at least one of the failures. So Google hitting you with this random updates. But like I said, you've tried everything. You said you feel like you're standing still, but you're in the basically nutrition space, like teaching people how to do one meal yeah, a day yeah, and yeah, intermittent yeah. fasting, fitness space. I know you've done like pro wrestling before. Yeah, yeah. And then you're, we're going to talk about Airbnb experiences today. You've done blogging. Like what are some of these other ones that maybe hit or missed? We'll be right back after a quick word from one of our sponsors. Today's sponsor is one I use on a daily basis at my company, Gold City Ventures. That is the sound of a sale in your Shopify store. But did you know that Shopify now also powers in-person selling? Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store or small business. Accept payments, manage inventory, they have everything. Shopify brings together your in-person and online sales business into one source of truth, one dashboard, everything in one place. You know exactly what's going on. And now they have all these customization options. They have plug and play tools that you can integrate with Instagram or TikTok or wherever. 
You can take your payments by phone or by tablet. Shopify makes it easy. Plus, if you have any questions, their support team is there to help you. I know we have a lot of entrepreneurs in this audience, and Shopify POS just breaks down that barrier to accepting payments with your business. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash fyshow, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash fyshow to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash fyshow. Now back to the show. Yes, I recommend being a curious person and experimenting a lot. Because I find a lot of people get they caught up in the trap of perfection. And I'm all about like taking imperfect action daily instead of waiting for perfection to come. Love that. You know, they say if you're not embarrassed of your first draft, you waited too long to start. I believe in experimenting. So I started an Instagram. And, you know, Instagram, like every social media platform, when they first come out, it's easy to dismiss it, right? Because you're like, ah, oh, another app, like pictures. Like who wants to see more pictures, right? <laughs> this is like 10 years ago. So then I was like, you know what? I'm going to try Instagram. So I tried it for a... Uh, just talking about fitness and like one thing I've learned is that something that may be boring to you or something that comes naturally to you is not as easy for other people, right? Fitness, for example, like in personal finance, everyone knows like to save money, you have to, you know, spend less than you make, right? But then just to actually do that is tough. Same thing with fitness. So I started writing on Instagram about how I use like intermittent fasting and different ways I work out. And I thought it was going to be boring, but it turns out that people really want to hear about different strategies. So I started writing about just different things that I do and it kind of took off and you have to accept that what you think is going to work and what actually works it could be different things you know like I actually originally started the page to talk about my pro wrestling career but then nobody cared They're like ah whatever like it's just local shows so someone from like Texas isn't going to come to Toronto to watch me wrestle <laughs> and they don't care right when they talk about how I got in shape they can relate to that right so you never know what's going to hit and if it hits you have to just build that momentum so I started writing about that and then I've learned that, like, sometimes you have to just be annoying. <laughs> like, a lot of times, I don't know if you guys find this, like, on social media, you got to say the same thing, like, over and over again, but just in different ways. It may feel like you're repeating yourself, but somebody else, even if they've heard it 10 times, the 10th time when they hear it, like, I needed to hear that at this point, mm-hmm. right? So I've kind of gone with that, and that, that took off. And, yeah, always pursue any curiosities that you have is, is a long story short of that. <laughs> Well, curiosity that I have is a little bit of a personal finance swerve. It's not really so much about personal finance, but we've never had anybody on the show that could talk about professional wrestling. So like, yes. what is, with just a quick view behind the curtain of what is that world like? And did you ever have a moment where you thought you could actually make it away from just a local regional show to something bigger? Well, thanks for bringing up such a sensitive topic. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Justin loves pro wrestling. <laughs> yeah. So I've had like WWE tryouts and stuff. And we did the SummerSlam in 2019. We did like, it was like a four day, they had Raw, SummerSlam, SmackDown. I got invited as an extra. It's not really like a formal tryout, but it was like extra work. And that was really fun. I met everybody from like Vince McMahon to Roman Reigns. That was really cool. But then the pandemic hit, so then <laughs> uh. nothing really happened. But that world is unique. And it allowed me to combine everything else I've ever done in my life. Because like pro wrestling is a show. It's like a microcosm of society. It's like marketing. It's good versus evil. It combines every skill you could possibly learn from like public speaking. Because now like you're talking for like some of the audiences are pretty big. It's a couple, couple hundred people, a couple thousand people. You have to get them to react and you have to know storytelling. You can't just come out and be like, ah, oh, like screw you. You have, to have a, <laughs> you have to have storytelling. You have to design your matches in a sense, like if you're a villain, like, you know, it's like a whole story. You take people on a ride. So you're working on storytelling, you're working on public speaking. And then like you're topless in front of all these people. So you can't like, you have to get into shape. So now you're like working on that. And you're learning about discipline. And then like in the meta, in the hidden world, you have to learn about like networking. Now like it's a scripted show, right? So you have to figure out ways of how to get yourself into this show. So like, it's really challenging and I highly recommend like it's, it's one of those things like 
I always watch as a kid and I always wanted to try it. It was like almost 26. I'm like, I have to try this. Like, if I don't try this, it's like, I met this guy. He's a, he's a, he's a popular coach, Rip Rogers. And he said, you don't want to be like 70 years old and just like be the person that tells people that they wish they tried, you know? Yeah. There's nothing worse than someone like, you know, you meet someone, they have like these like unfulfilled dreams they never chase, you know? And there's something that comes from giving something your all and looking back fondly on your life and knowing that you tried and gave your all in different areas. If you get on AEW, I'll be right there with you. Big AEW fan. <laughs> we'll talk about fan. that after. <laughs> <laughs> what is the biggest learning lesson skill that you gained for wrestling that you've then kind of pivoted into the business entrepreneurial world? Oh, that's a very good question. You know, a lot can be said for uh, like storytelling and public speaking and making people feel. Like even right now, I'm trying to slow down as I'm talking. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I did that too. <laughs> <laughs> like you just learn about like, interacting with people so like going to a show there's all these people they're all watching you so you have to like figure out how to get them to react accordingly to this show so if you're a villain you want them to hate you but like how do you get someone to hate you well it turns out it's actually easier to get people to hate you than it is to like you <laughs> yeah so usually when you see someone let's be honest first thing you're like i don't know, like whatever i don't care right you're like you're never like like somebody right away it's usually like you're unsure at least or at least indifferent so like the storytelling is also like like just being able to like tell a story and how to get people interested and that applies to business because like business is not like you know marketing and like business it's not just spewing out facts you know like you sure like you know i know you talk about airbnb you could just say here's what i do here's how i make money people can get bored so you have to tell a story how you started it like your backstory how you take people on their hero's journey and like just all that it, it all combines and then you work on your marketing so you have to like, get people excited about it like how do you get someone to care and yeah so marketing and storytelling i, I think are the two biggest things that and how to take a good chest chop, you know? Yeah. <laughs> there's, no, like, there's no way to take that. You just take it. <laughs> that just sucks. <laughs> so you did the pro wrestling thing. You're doing all these different side hustles. What's more recently? What's been something that you've journeyed out into? Because like you said, you kind of got into blogging way before most people did. You got into Instagram way before most people did. So maybe what's something you're getting into now that, that could be something that's not big yet, but you think it will be? Yes. I was just talking to you guys earlier about this. The one thing I was really big on before the pandemic, and it's coming back stronger now, is like Airbnb experiences. Have you guys heard of Yeah, Yeah. Oh, yeah. So a lot of people haven't heard of it. I learned about it. I was with a girlfriend at Costa Rica at the time. And I remember Airbnb sent me an email. They're like, you should go check out this like viewpoint. I thought it was cool. I thought it was like an official like tour company or like an event. Like we go to this meeting point and we just meet some like random dude. This guy's like 20 years old. And we're like, hey, hey, we're just like looking at each other. Like, is this it? Like, what's the deal here? <laughs> it's like paying someone to bring you to like Central Park, you know? Like he just brought us to like, like a park. I'm like, wow, like this guy got me good, right? <laughs> like you got to respect the hustle, right? Like, like, like he, he took us to a viewpoint. And like nobody else had a tour guide but us. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like we're so lazy as tourists. I could have <laughs> I could have Google Maps, like tour like viewpoints and found it. But this guy brought me there. And then I talked to him after and he told me, he goes, he goes, yeah, like Airbnb is introducing experiences and things to do. And anybody can do it. I'm like that can't be real. Like anybody? So I came home and I was like, I want to start an experience, but what can I do? And then like, I'm not like I don't have any like crazy talents, you know? So like I, I thought about different things, but I'm like, I like coffee and I find most tourists. Like when you go somewhere, you want to eat and you want to drink coffee and then drink booze at night and dance and whatever. So I'm like, what if I just show people the coolest coffee shops in town? So I looked up different places. There was an Ethiopian place or a Armenian place. There was like a local place. So I put this coffee, the Queen West coffee crawl on Airbnb experiences. And it just kind of took off. Like people would come and I'd get like up to anywhere from like two to 10 guests. Like they started doing like date nights on it. It'll be like bachelor parties. <laughs> it got like really popular before the pandemic. And uh, yeah, people would like just go drink coffee. 
Like some of my friends, like, like we joke around that they're like, people are paying you to drink coffee? Like, like what? Why? <laughs> the experience is anything and people, a tourist want to do things. So like I started writing about that because I'm like, this is like an unfulfilled like niche. Like, you know, Airbnb is like, they're growing, right? Like everyone's on Airbnb. Like it's like Uber, right? Like, like you yeah. don't call a cab. You don't get a hotel. You get, a, you get an Uber to your Airbnb now, right? <laughs> exactly. I wrote a course about this. I started promoting this. And I just think it's like a hidden gem. And even right now, like just for the sake of this podcast, I looked up a couple of things to do in Orlando. I was just showing Cody and there's, it could vary from anything. One guy is doing beekeeping. You can be a beekeeper for a day. They're charging $100 here in Orlando. You go there, you'd be a beekeeper. Yeah. Like, I have a feeling this guy is just having us do his work for I was about him. to say, you're, <laughs> you're paying him $100 so that he doesn't have to do his job. Yeah. And he sells the honey at the farmer's yeah, market. Yes, yes. <laughs> There's people that actually, they have farm chores. They, they straight up put farm chores as their experience. That is hilarious. So, so what are you charging for like a coffee tour? Well, inflation has impacted. <laughs> <of course. laughs> well, so then here's the beauty of an experience. It could be anything that you want it to be. So I, like I had like basic packages. It would be like, I started at 20 bucks just because like, I wasn't sure if this is going to work. It's kind of nerve wracking, like taking people around. And, like, it's easy to give advice online or make videos. It's like not easy, but like, you don't have to deal with the feedback right away, right? This is like you're walking with a person, you know? It's kind of like intimidating, right? you're just walking and like, you see like the reaction. You're like, this is, you know? <laughs> so I started charging 20 bucks. And as I got more comfortable, went up to 25, 30. And I could charge more, but it depends on the activity. So if you're offering like a bike tour, or, like walking tours, those seem to do better. I just looked up a few like kayak tours. I don't know if you guys are into kayaking or anything. Yeah. I don't have a kayak. I imagine it probably costs like 200 bucks. You buy a kayak and you just take people kayaking. And you can charge like 100 bucks for a couple hours. The more unique your thing is, the more you can charge. Let's just say like you're kind of funny. You like to walk. There's like walking comedy tours. <laughs> so people are charging up to 100 bucks just to walk and tell jokes. You might want to go to Central Park. You might not want a walking tour, but a comedy walking tour. Like if you can laugh and walk. Like, Why not? <laughs> yeah, and I found some really unique ones. And there's like, you could be a mermaid for a day. People teach you how to eat fire and stuff. Like people add the most ridiculous activities. And it's not your job to decide. It's the market's job, you know. And when someone travels, like at home, you might not like do something so ridiculous. But when you're on a trip, that's when you're like, okay, like maybe I want to learn how to eat fire, right? Maybe today's the day, right? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe today's the day. <laughs> so I recommend <laughs> anybody listening, just look up like random activities. Look at what's popular near you and be like, what's missing? What could I add a twist on? Like, I noticed that for some reason in every tourist city, Instagram, it just straight up says Instagram tour. People bring you to the best places to take Instagram photos. It's a wow. great idea. I was telling my brother about it. He goes, yeah, I did one in Bali. <laughs> I'm like, I thought about it. And he's like, yeah, well, like, you want to do the cool things when you're traveling. Like, you don't want to like, go somewhere and then you come back and everyone's like, oh, did you see this? You're like, oh, I didn't see that. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, your FOMO is real, right? If you're missing out, so... You can combine such random activities and you can tell jokes while taking pictures of people, right? <laughs> and I just think there's a lot of money to be made. So that's why I've been promoting this one lately. Yeah, I mean, in Austin, like I could see people paying. I'm sure there are out there like paddleboard tours, right? You know, because yeah. you're coming to town, you want to do it, but you don't want to like bring the equipment. Maybe you don't want to just go like with a random rental company. You want somebody to show you around, point out some buildings. So it makes a lot of sense. Well, yeah, of, of course. And I actually looked at Boston before. There's like a million taco tours. And if you're thinking there's too many, there's not enough. Because, <laughs> like, people love tacos. Like, if the one sells out, they're going to come and do yours. If you can't do, like, downtown tacos, you could do, like, the hidden gems tacos, you know? So you show people the, the, the cooler places, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, happy hours would be my jam. I can, like, tell everybody where the cheap food, the cheap booze is in Austin. That, that'd probably be my jam. That's actually a huge one in Toronto, too. People love, like, drinking events. I just didn't do it because I don't trust, like, people drinking and stuff. <laughs> Fair but, enough. like, one guy was straight up charging in Toronto to have a drink with them. 
Because like, just say you're a tourist, you're in town, like, like nothing you're sexual. You're a middle local. Nothing inappropriate, just like he'll take you for a drink. Yeah. Like, I'm guessing he might be somewhat cool. Maybe he's got good conversation skills. I'm hoping he's got something going, but he just, <laughs> you meet him for a drink and you just, like, you're paying a guy to have a drink with him. So like speaking of tourism, all that kind of stuff, how have you utilized like having this life to where you don't work for a certain company, you're your own person, you're running your own show. How have you kind of taken advantage of that and done anything with it? Have you traveled a bunch because of this? Like, what has it afforded you? What has it allowed you to do? Yeah, so I read the four hour work week back in 2010. I'm sure like everybody listening has read that. It's like our, it's like our Bible. <laughs> so I read that and I was like really into the digital nomad life. But then I realized I kind of like hate moving around. I don't know about you guys, but like I like travel, but I hate like moving all the time. So the way I've capitalized on this, I just, I live in Canada. So I just, I go away for the winter time. That's, that's my dad. <laughs> I've realized you can have anything you want in life, just not everything. So the thing that I'm willing to like work for and to save for is, winter escapes <laughs> just going away every winter so because i do like to have a, like a routine the biggest issue with entrepreneurship is it, it could be tough to get into a routine when i'm at home i like to have my coffee shops my jiu-jitsu gym my like weights like my schedule like my friends but in the winter i do like to escape and that's the beauty about building passive income and different streams of income you you can go away like this like even coming here was a last minute trip you know i didn't have to ask for permission like most of my friends didn't even know i was leaving i, I just you know like i didn't really tell anybody i just got on a plane i came here and and that's the one benefit of doing your own thing. You don't have to explain yourself to anybody. Love that. So since this is a personal finance podcast, just wonder if we can dig into the numbers a little bit, like in terms of the tours, because Airbnb experiences is something that Justin and I have not talked about before on the show. What is like a typical month or maybe your best month or how many of these are you doing per day? Just, just, let's just dig into the numbers a little bit. Awesome. So yeah, so like I said, I shut down during the pandemic. So let's talk about pre-pandemic okay, so, 2019. Okay, so yeah, so awesome. So it depends on the tour. So if you do a private tour, you charge more. Okay. So Airbnb takes 20%. So the goal would be to like uh, charge 20 or 30 bucks a person. I wish I had this written down in front of me, but I, I try, try to get like 10 people. If you get 10 people paying you, you make it $300. Airbnb takes their cut. You pay for the coffees. You can make a couple hundred dollars. So I'm like, uh, it's an hour and a half of, of drinking coffee. And then on top of that, you can add like, bonuses. I've added like upgrades. So I'll, I'll put on my profile. Like I can give you a tour of a different area after. You essentially just keep on walking with the person, person yeah. right? <laughs> so the goal is, it's all about the numbers. So the goal is to get as like 10 people, then it makes it profitable. And full disclosure, if you don't get 10 people, obviously it's not as profitable. So like, it's not as good. So I would work on maximizing your time. So like, if you're going to do a coffee tour, you're not going to do that at 7 p.m. At 9 a.m., you'll do well. So whatever you do, try to maximize your time and reduce your cost. I try to get like better deals with the coffee shops. I'm bringing them all as volume. I try to get like affiliate deals. Like if someone buys something, like I get a piece of the action and stuff. Hmm. And then you get tips. I never really worked a tips job. Like I worked many jobs, but I never worked a job where you're like relying on tips. So people actually tip tour guides, which I did not realize. So you can, you can make up to like 20 to $50 in tips at the end of it. So the goal is to make anywhere from 100 to 200 bucks for a session if you get a full house and if you can. And so if you're looking to have 10 people, I guess that's assuming that you need to be somewhere where everybody can meet you and you're just kind of walking. You can't like, you're probably not going to have a vehicle or something where you can transport 10 people. So is that like a, an important thing you would say to people is thinking about a location that's, if you're going to hit multiple places, you're walking so you can avoid the transportation hassle? Or? Yeah. So every experience is different. Like, like there's a lot of bike tours. I guess you obviously need a bike, right? So for this one, it's a coffee tour. So it's also like a, like a walking tour of the city. So I just meet people in a central location. It's called the Drake Hotel. And people associate Drake with like Toronto, but the hotel has nothing to do with them. <laughs> like, what are the odds the hotel na- changed their name to Drake and then this guy became famous named Drake? <laughs> Not bad marketing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it happened like way after, like they had no idea, right? So I tried to meet them in a central location and then, like, yeah, and then we walked. I, I warned people, so like, 
in your description, you put everything in there, right? So you tell people to bring shoes and stuff, and then that warning, it, it, they know what to expect walking, so that, that's what makes it a lot easier. And then we end, like, there's a big park in Toronto, uh, Trinity Bellwoods, and this park in the summer is, like, really happening. There's, like, concerts and events. There's, like, like, you know, samples. So, like, sometimes we'll end the tour, and there's, like, free samples being handed out so people get, like, free drinks, free food, and it's kind of adds to the experience of it. And so are you doing this daily or is it just like a weekend thing or so you're just like pocketing, you know, $200 every single day, Monday through Sunday? No. So I had to stop it during the pandemic and I've slowed down. It's actually a weird story. One of the coffee shops, one of the main shops, let's talk about not relying on one person. Yeah. They're like closed. Like they're, <laughs> like they're weird. The guy's like, they're under construction. So it's been closed the last few months. We had two year lockdown. So like on and off rotating. So finally ended and the guy closed. I'm like, dude, like this is the time to make money. <laughs> So I put that on a hold so I could do more promoting experiences and, and more of the actual Airbnb hosting for now. If anyone's listening, I would highly recommend jumping on there, starting your experience. If you can do like a walking tour, biking tour or something, try it. Like at least apply, host it. I mean, the market will give you the feedback you need. If you get 10 people signing up, you're onto something. If nobody signs up, you know, you might want to try a different idea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the awesome thing about this is this is one of those like side hustles that can have very little investment. Like to walk around and have coffee with people, you don't have to buy anything. I mean, obviously Zero. there's some experiences that would come with equipment and whatever, yeah. but there are ideas to get your feet wet with no equipment. Exactly. For me, this is more of like a side hustle. Exactly. People have a misconception about building businesses. I think a side hustle, it's okay to have something that's just like some extra money, you know, and not every side hustle is going to make you a millionaire overnight, right? Yeah. Like, like this is just something I make some money. I meet people and I'm walking around. Like it's just a win on, on all fronts. Well, we got one minute left, Martin. So for those in our audience who want to connect with you, who want to learn more about hosting Airbnb experiences, I know you mentioned a course. Where are the best places for them to do that? Yeah, find me at Studenomics, Stud Enomics. I know it's not as clever as, it's, as I thought it was. <laughs> Studenomics everywhere, Twitter.com, Instagram. Follow me, shoot me a message, let me know, and I'll set you up. Yeah, thanks, man, for giving us some time. Thanks for having me. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to another episode of The Fi Show. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, the best way to do that is to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, share this with a friend, and also don't forget, you can find 200 plus episodes and all the information you'd ever want to have about these episodes over at thefyshow.com. Also, don't forget to hit that subscribe button because that way every Wednesday you can have our latest episode delivered straight to your phone. Until next time. Hey, real quick, before you go, I just want to remind you that I have made my personal like budget and net worth tracking spreadsheet available, the very same one that I use to track my net worth from $38,000 to over $1.2 million, available for free on our website at thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet. So you can go download that today. That's thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet.